while we're all getting settled in here, why don't you just reach to the person next to you and pray for them quickly. Pray for them to have a supernatural awareness of the Holy Spirit today as we get started while I'm finding where I'm going to be. Now let's, let's actually pray for someone who really needs prayer. Put your hand on your own heart. <laughs> and just, re- just repeat after me quickly. Just bow your head. Just pray. Our Father, open the eyes of my heart today. Open the ears of my spirit. Have your way in me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Um, I just love the presence of God. And it just seems to be so easy to invite His presence in to be with us wherever we are. It's so cool. Um, I'm going to start. We're going to talk about spiritual family today. I'm going to start at Psalms 68, um, verse 5 and 6. Actually, I'm going to start at 4 just because I like it. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds by His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. He sets the solitary into families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. He's a father to the fatherless, defender of widows, that is God in His holy habitation. This reveals part of um, God's heart towards people. He is attracted, the Holy Spirit is attracted to people who are downhearted. We see this over and over in scriptures um, where He, I mean in Matthew, um, blessed are those who mourn for they be comforted. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. This is what attracts God to you. Um, he doesn't want us to be there, to stay there. Um, but that's where he finds us many times. And he places us into families. Um, we're not meant to be alone. Uh, he moves on our behalf and puts us into relationships. If we think about, think about different revivals and denominations that have been formed throughout the years, throughout our country and throughout the world, they seem to start with a big wash of the Holy Spirit over and people get saved, people get healed, there's miraculous things that happen. But to this date anyway, none of them have been sustained because it seems like people will get a a hold on it and they'll say, well, this is the way to have a meeting, so this is the way we're going to do it. So they actually turn into meetings, into uh, clubs, into organizations that won't sustain that move of God. There actually is one, the one that Jesus started. (coughs) And it's sustained through Jesus all the way to me and you. And that was built through relationships, through the families, um, through blood family and all through, through spiritual family, what we're talking about today. Um, he sets the solitary into families. So if you're saved, there's no excuse for being alone. There just isn't. Um, he brings those who are bound up into prosperity. So if you're bound up, he's got prosperity for you. And um, 
Prosperity, we're talk, most time when we say prosperity, we're thinking right away, rich. You know, I got a $500,000 home. I'm driving a, a Mustang or a Corvette or something like that. I feel sorry for you if you want a Corvette, but that's just the way I'm, just, <clears throat> I'm always been a Ford guy. But uh, that's kind of right where our mind goes. And that's not entirely wrong because God, it, it's actually kind of small-minded to think that God would save you out of your boundness, free you, from all that, and then set you into nothing. He doesn't do that. He sets you into abundance and brings abundance to your life, prosperity to your life. And where we kind of get messed up is we start to get self-centered. We're kind of, we get self-centered and it hinders what goes on. We have a small vision. We have the vision of the Corvette or a huge house. Um, what was that? picture or that thing we were talking about in your house the other day says if God gives you oh, how to go do you remember Mary wanted it <laughs> when God gives you more than enough don't build a bigger fence build a longer table yes yes uh, yep if God gives you go <laughs> if God gives you more than enough um, you need to build a longer table not higher fences that's what the prosperity we're talking about, that he gives you more. It's not so you can just build your mansion. It's so that you can give it on to someone who needs it more. God will lead you into that stuff, and then um, pretty soon we all can prosper. We're kind of, I studied this a long time ago, and I don't know all the details anymore, but our country is kind of building on the Babylonian system of money. And it is, it works, but it's very confining, and it pushes people down. God builds up. He brings prosperity to his children, not so we can just be rich and famous. It's so that we can pass it along to more of the family. That's how he uses that. Kingdom people have grand visions. And you could tell because God will, you'll see God blessing them and they won't be looking at themselves on a, on a pedestal. They'll be passing it. They'll be moving it because they have the grand vision that you, you know a kingdom person when you see them because they think they can change the world. Especially a new believer. You see a new believer come and get saved and then all of a sudden they want to be a missionary next week. You know, they want to go and change the world. That's a kingdom person where God has, their vision is huge. Um, usually those are not the ones you want to send to the mission because they have to be set into a family, which is their spiritual family, to grow. And that has to start there. Um, uh, religion, we've seen in the past, will take and it'll restrict what you can do. It'll restrict, kind of puts you into the check mark, the boxes where you check off, this is what I've done, God should do this now. And that's not the way that God's family works. <clears throat> he works through relationships with one another. I had an example here of uh, how uh, spiritual family can work, has uh, different ones in the Bible. <clears throat> Think of Jonathan and David. Um, they loved each other. They were family, even though they weren't. They were, uh, Jonathan loved David so much, he knew that his right, it was his right to be the next king. <coughs> he could have took that and went sideways with it, but he loved David as a, as a brother so much that he wanted David as the anointed king to be the king. He didn't put himself before that, even though it was his right. It was his his uh, inheritance. But he wanted the best for his brother rather than himself, even though he had the inheritance. Um, that's an example of love that you'll only see in a spiritual family. You won't see that in the world at all. Um, and then on down in Jonathan's family, 
I know Glenn has talked to him before about, say I say it, Meshiba fifth, or however you say it, Mel. I'm going to call him Mel just because I can't say the rest of it. That's a long, <clears throat> it took me like six tries to spell it right. It doesn't mean I can read it. Um, his story was he was, um, after Jonathan and Dave, or Saul was killed, David did become the king. And he reached out to find Jonathan's family members. It was normal back then for, for the king, the new king, to kill all the family so there wouldn't be any um, uprising or comeback on anything. That He would have complete ownership. He went out, found Mel, and found where he was and completely restored him. He didn't just, uh, we, you talk about he bring him to the king's table to eat. He didn't do that first. First, he restored everything that was his inheritance from Jonathan. Gave him everything. So he had the finest cooks. He had land, he had farmland, he had everything. Then he said, come to the family table where his, he was crippled, where his crippleness, as Glenn has talked about before, when he's sitting at a table with the family table, that crippleness was not visible. It wasn't there. It was not something where people would point and say, there's that guy that's lame. In a spiritual family, that's the way it is. You come to the table, you come to the spiritual family, to the table, your shortcomings things that you struggle with, your lameness is not a problem. You're there as family. Um, and that was a strong example of that, um, of, of spiritual family and love. Um, there's no lameness at the family table. Um, in, in Matthew 6, 9, we always pray our Father because we're His children. I did that on purpose this morning too. We don't pray my Father it's our Father. We all have the same Father that puts us all as kin. All of us. Um, and there's things about God's nature that you won't see without having relationships with people. You just won't. Um, <clears throat> see if I can... I know I wrote something down there. I have to apologize. My eyes don't work as good as they used to. Even though I did the big letters, excise, he does on his words up there, it works good for him. But you get a little bit nervous, you can't see real good. If I stand back here, I can actually see it better. <laughs> but, um, oh, I had a, a good bumper sticker idea. Um, God blesses us and afflicts us with the people we need. <laughs> that is spiritual family to a T. Um, there's some people we would try to avoid like the plague. Um, but God will put them in front of us over and over and over again because they're part of our family. Um, and we need to just accept that and uh, knuckle up, I guess, and ask the Spirit to help us with those things. Because actually we talk about fruits of the Spirit a lot here in the past months. Um, I could be the most patient man in the world if it wasn't for people. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. If it wasn't for... We would have to have no need for the fruits of the Spirit if it wasn't for our family. We would think we'd be experts at these things, and then a family member comes along and we're like, my patience is getting tested here. Um, I'm going to need some long suffering on this guy, especially kids. Sometimes they'll test you. Um, uh, sometimes your own parents, your in-laws, nosy neighbors. These are, these are reasons we have the fruits of the Spirit, and we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us not uh, all be in jail, probably, <laughs> at some times. <laughs> uh, but our spiritual advance where God comes in and gives us uh, these gifts to do 
the things that our spiritual family needs. Um, he locks up in other people parts of who he is. I know I've, I've preached about this one other time about the identity that we have. Um, and I'll say this really quick too. That then Sai helped me a few weeks ago about this. The value that you put on yourself is not the value that God puts on you. Amen. <clears throat> Sometimes we don't think much of ourselves, but God puts so much value on you. It's the price that he says that you're worth. And he gave everything for that. So our value is great in his family. Um, he, in that identity that we have, God, God's identity is huge. We're created in his image. He puts a piece of that identity in all of us. And I may need a piece of the identity that you have in you to start growing. But I won't have that if I say, well, you're not my blood family. I'm just going to stay. He puts a piece of identity in you that I need. And each one of you that is part of who God is. And that's why some of us, we look at each other and think, man, that person is weird. <laughs> but but God, they have a piece of God in them that we need in our spiritual family for, so that we can grow. And we, and don't show your, yourself short, you, we, every one of us have that same piece to share for our family. Some people say, I'm not gifted or whatnot. You are. You're made in God's image. No matter how much you failed, no matter how much you've succeeded, you have a piece of something in you that the people in this family needs. Iron sharpens iron. Sometimes we've got to knock edges off of each other. And we don't, we, those things won't be, be revealed to us unless we are connected with our spiritual family. Oh, part of identity that we find in other people. Um, we need these relationships. Um, like Jonathan who put David's stuff first. Uh, in our culture, we kind of um, uh, throw things away quicker than, more quickly than we should. Um, and relationships should not be one of them ever. Um, I mean, I work on cars all the time. Sometimes it's way better to throw the car away and get a new one. And they're making them more so nowadays. But um, I was reading a, about a story about an old, old couple, and they've been married for uh, a long, long time. And one of the, th the questions that older married people always get asked is, how on earth did you get it to last this long? And uh, what their answer was is very good. is that they were married back in an age, in the culture, where you didn't <coughs> throw things away. You had to fix them. And now our culture is like, just throw it away, get a new one, because it's cheaper. It's not when it comes to relationships. They are too important to do that. They have to be fixed somehow. There's got to be a way to fix relationships, and Christ is the way, and family is the way. Sometimes family gets into arguments, and you think you can't ever resolve them. Sometimes it takes years. This is not instant stuff we're talking about here, and that's another part of our culture. We want instant everything. Building a family is not instant, and that's the same thing, but... In those experiences with family, the miracles, the things that go on, the testimonies, that's one thing I really like about this church and our church family in this town and even throughout the country that we've talked about with the, the C2C stuff that's going on all around the country um, is that there's constant testimonies of what God's doing. And you get to hear about them in family like this. We used to do a thing in church. It was, that we'd, we, it was uh, man, it was long time ago but we'd say so we'd go up to someone in church and we'd say i love jesus yes i do i love jesus how about you and then you would be that you'd have to stand up and give a testimony mm -hmm. 
And then you would say it to someone else and they would do it and it was kind of how they started church sometimes. And it was really cool, but it got to be sometimes where a testimony, like you may tell a testimony when you're 15 years old. That's great, that's awesome. But we want to hear testimony about what happened this week. Yeah. And that's what I love about this body. There's stuff like that going on every week, every day and uh, across the nation. And I guess it's because we got Facebook now, we can see all that stuff at the touch of a finger. Um, but those type of miracles, those type of situations, testimonies, you're going to remember those through your lives way more than me standing up here talking about them. You have family memories. When you get families together and they start talking about memories of stuff that will get deep within you and actually change who you are, change how you react and do things um, far more than someone speaking to you. That's how important the, the everyday family stuff is. Um, we cannot be... Uh, who God has intended to be in isolation or by yourself. Um, actually, Proverbs 18.1, let me read that real quick. I just stumbled across this one day this week. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. There's so much truth in that. When you, and one thing I guess I'll warn against in our family here. If you see someone start isolating yourself, we need to go after them. There's all different reasons. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's who knows what. But we need to have our eyes constantly on family. There's a lot of mothers here that will go after you if you get out there. And I love that about this family. Um, there's no hiding here. There's just way too many mothers. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, Oh, an old African proverb I found too. It said, if you, go, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you go with others. A lot of truth in that. And uh, one thing that as I was studying and kind of going through these things is in our, in our own culture, here, um, it's hard to be what you cannot see. Um, and Partially, uh, and I, I don't like to blame or whatever, but sometimes the church can, is responsible for this. The church used to be the center of what happened in this country. Um, and it's more the culture controlling the church. I, I heard a person say once that um, the problem that the, in, in this nation anyway with the church is it's arm's length away from the world. But this was said 60 years ago, but the problem is it's still just an arm's length away from the world but the world's going worse and worse, but we're still just in arms. Like there should be a greater distance. There should be the church setting an example of what a family should be, what it looks like, what the love of God looks like. Um, and culture is kind of, uh, culture is not reality whatsoever. Um, culture is what, is just what we do. We have a little bit of reality, it's what we do. For example, right now um, in our culture, you wouldn't look down on a woman working. You wouldn't look down on any of that. A woman is equal in every way as far as in our culture now. But 40 years ago, it was completely acceptable for a woman to be in the back seat. She just did what she was supposed to do and she did what she was told. You do that now and you've got a fight on your hands. Amen. That's right. <laughs> but back then it was completely acceptable. It was the culture. It had nothing to do with reality. So we can't let our culture that goes on out here um, define what our reality is in Christ. Christ and God makes the reality. 
And that's what we need to stick with and study with. Um, and that's why I say it's very hard to be what you cannot see. In our culture, um, the family's broken. I mean, the, the enemy went after the family pretty hard and still does, and it's, it's a good strategy on his part. Um, because out of families come life. Um, we see in our culture broken families. We see uh, single moms trying to raise kids and, and make a living. Dads, single dads doing the same things. We see moms and dads both abandoning kids and grandparents raising kids. Um, and I don't mean any condemnation at all because God wants to restore. Um, but there's so many people living uh, cohabitating instead of getting married. There's a generation coming up that doesn't even see a value in marriage. Um, and it causes problems. Um, it really does. Because God made a structure for the family, and God's not some big overseer that says, this is what you have to do or else. But He, he did it for a purpose. Um, he had a structure of a mother and a father and children. It's the same picture of Christ in the church. Um, and He put an order to it. And the order wasn't to put people down. The order wasn't to uh, put labels on people. It was to create an environment for the best possible outcome. That's why he created that order. It was, I mean, I, I joke with Paulie all the time. We watch TV shows and the Hallmark Channel's been going on all the time. People getting married all the time. And I told her, I said, when they're, they're doing the vows, I said, the woman has to say obey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a joke we've had forever because that's something that she wanted in our, in our wedding vows because it's important and it's not about the you have to do what I say it's about the order that God put for the best possible outcome Amen. it's not always the outcome but it is the best possible the, the nucleus of the family is a picture of the church and the way that we can get the best the most out of life very similar to Sundays and um I fought this for a long, long time until God kind of showed me some stuff. Sundays, he put Sundays as a day of rest. And I still fight with it sometimes and pay the price. It's not a something you have to do, but it's something God did for us because he made us, he knows our bodies, to create the best possible outcome. You can work every Sunday for a long time, but your life won't be as long. You won't be as rested. There's so much busyness in our society and the culture, not the reality, but the culture right now that our minds, I don't know if anybody else knows this, but there's a lot of people on pills because their minds ain't working right. Yeah. Some of that is because we don't follow the design for the best possible outcome. We follow parts of it that we like, but not the design um, of the family that God created for the best possible outcome, for producing life. A man and a woman, they get married to produce what? A family life new babies that's what life is that's what his best possible design is and again this is not to tear anyone down because people in life happens this is about restoration um i mean the, the family's been dysfunctional pretty much since the beginning with cain and abel um but then god is awesomeness he's got redemption he brought a he brought redemption. It doesn't matter what part of life you're in. He's got redemption for that. And I want to read this. I'll probably read it off my phone. Because it's lit up in the back. <laughs> um, 
And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version because it's louder and you'll be able to hear it better. Um, let's see. If I... That was a pretty good laugh for a bad joke, too. <laughs> Ephesians 1. I'm going to start at verse 3. It's a little lengthy, but I'm, I just encourage you to listen to the, to the words of this word and let God's word just work in you. Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ, just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, that is consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will to, to the praise of his glory, grace, and favor which he so freely bestowed upon us in, his, in the beloved, his son, Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption, that is, our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which he paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with his riches and grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding with practical insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. With regard to the fulfillment of the times, that is the end of history and climax of the ages to bring all things together in Christ, both the things in heavens and the things on earth. In him also we have received an inheritance, a destiny. We are claimed by God and his own, having as his own, having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand according to purpose in him, who knows everything in agreement and counsel and design his will so that we who are the first to hope in Christ who first put our confidence in him as our Lord and Savior would exist to the praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the good news of your salvation as a result believed in him were stamped with a seal of a promise of the Holy Spirit the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, a pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own, purchased possession, His believers to pray to the praise and His glory. We're adopted into His into His family. This adoption process is not optional. When you accept, when you're in Christ, and that in Christ, I'll just take about a minute. In Christ, salvation comes free. We can, we can ask for forgiveness of sin and salvation is free. But this in Christ and in Him that I read several times in that passage, partially some of that responsibility is ours. Because when we are in Christ, we accept the responsibility to be faithful to Him. Salvation is free 
but our faithfulness to him is a big part of what goes on in our family. It begins a process of transformation in us. There's things in us that God wants to get out. There's things in us that he wants to put in. Sometimes he has to put something in there, but there's no room. So he has to take some, some things out. As part of the adoption process, part of the family process of working together um, as family, an adopted family. Um, I'll mention this real quick too, um, how that our spiritual family can become stronger than our uh, blood family. That's a verse I was looking for. I still can't remember where it was. But how that uh, a, fam a, a, spiritual, a family member close, close is better than a, a blood family member that may be far away. That's, I don't know where it is. I'll have to look it back again. But um, when I was ta thinking about this this morning, God was talking, talking to me about how that sometimes a blood family can even be a little bit of a hindrance to our spiritual growth. Um, we may have a, a sin or a problem we're dealing with, and first thing we want to do is run back to our blood family. And blood family, of course, will sometimes will say, oh, it'll be all right, you're okay. Where a spiritual family member, a brother that's ready to knock some edges off of you, will help you get through that. They'll show a piece of God's identity that means it may take you to the woodshed. Um, or it may be, that you need uh, the compassion that you may not get from a blood family. The blood family where maybe you've done this a dozen times and your blood family is just ready to just say, what's the matter with you? You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of what he talked to me a little bit about this morning. I wanted to make sure and share. Sometimes you will get things from your spiritual family in a stronger way than you will from your blood family. There may be iniquity. Um, and we've heard of generational curses or, genera or generational iniquity where it's a sin that kind of plagues the family over generations. It seems like it just cannot be broken. And, and I guess the example is, is like a, for example, like an alcoholic going back to an alcoholic for help instead of going to someone who is not, someone who knows how to live free of it. That's kind of what I'm talking about as far as that, where a, a blood family might be a hindrance. I don't want to say don't go to your family, but... Um, your spiritual family can walk you through stuff like that. God puts different pieces in all of us to help with that. I may not go to Glenn for every problem I ever had. I may go to Joy because Joy knows how to deal with something that Glenn doesn't know how to. Um, uh, I don't go to Damon for help much at all because he just throws me out at, 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 to the wolves, it seems like. <laughs> but that's his way. That's what God put in him. Sometimes I do need to go to him because uh, he'll just lay it down there like a hot iron and stick it on you and there you go. <laughs> Um, sometimes that's what you need. I, <laughs> I was talking to a, a young man today or yesterday at work, and I was inviting him to church. And just so you know, it's okay to invite people that you work with to church, um, and take that stand wherever you are. But I was I asked him what he's doing today or Sunday, and he said, "Oh, not much." And I said, "Why don't you come to church?" And he said, uh, he just kind of looked at me. He's got this slow Southern draw. He said, "I've been baptized." I was like, "Okay." I said, "What does that mean?" And he told me he was a kid, you know, they sprayed some water on him, told him he's baptized, he's good, he can do whatever he wants to for the rest of his life. <laughs> I told him, I, I just kind of looked him in the eye and I said, so when you meet your maker on a day of judgment, and he says, 
why should I let you into heaven? And uh, you're just going to look at them and say, I've been baptized. <laughs> like that? I said, I said it just like that to him, back to him. <laughs> he he kind of quickly found something else to do. He goes, oh, I got to go. He went and found <laughs> something else to do real quick, which I asked the Lord after the fact, was I too hard on him on that deal? And uh, he said no, because, I mean, young men especially, sometimes they need a two-by-four <laughs> to cross the head to wake them up. Sometimes may, maybe women are more gentle than that, but... Uh, I asked God because I felt like I was a little hard on him a little bit because he ran. I mean, he was running for, and, and a young man running to go find something to do at work, it's kind of rare. <laughs> so I might use this again if he's standing around. I'd be like, hey. But, <laughs> but uh, some, sometimes you need that uh, knock to the head to, to wake you up a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm totally off of what I was doing now. <laughs> um, but anyways, being, we're being adopted. We'll go back to that. And it's not an optional thing. You're adopted into the spiritual family. Um, and the, there's many benefits to that. Um, one thing is adoption. You don't, adopt is not natural, natural born. It's something that is brought into a family through extreme love. Most people that adopt children, it's not adopting them out of a perfect um, environment. They're adopting them out of a mess, usually. <laughs> And so it takes an extreme amount of love to adopt someone. And, um, and that's part of God's plan, putting lonely into families. Um, becoming part of a spiritual family is fresh, fre- fresh revelation for us on a daily ba- basis through other people. Um, sometimes I get people say, well, I, I can't hear God. Talk to a few people in the church. You'll hear him. Talk to a few moms if you're feeling down. They'll, they'll let you know what God's saying. Um, they'll speak right to your heart. And um, there's also the physical help that we need in a spiritual family. We need to pray for healing. We need to pray for different things like that. And I don't want to discount the physical help that, that uh, something, sometimes we don't think about this. I don't see it in this house, but I've seen it other places where um, size hungry. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you, brother, that you can get something to eat. <coughs> well, I'm his brother, I can get him a sandwich or something, you know. We can't, we can't discount that, the physical need that we, he gives us the horsepower to do. That's part of the prosperity he brings us in so we can provide. Um, that stuff I think we pass over sometimes, but it's super, super important. We want to meet the spiritual needs of my brother. But he needs a sandwich, you want to just give him a sandwich. And, and you're, you know, <laughs> then while his mouth's full, you can talk to him. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit more in there. Um, 15 to 20 in Ephesians, that same chapter. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I do not cease to give thanks for you and remembering you in, in my prayers. Always pray that, I, I always pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal, intimate insight into the true knowledge of Him. For we know the Father through the Son, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, this very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation 
to which we are called to the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints. I think I'll stop right there for a minute because I want to talk about this in... Uh, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray. Um, this part in the church is so important. I'm actually very, very thankful for this church, how much we pray for one another. So, so important in spiritual family to pray for one another. And I asked Glenn if I could give an example of what he does. Sometimes he said he'll be up early, he'll get on Facebook and start looking over individuals. As a spiritual family, we can pray for individuals, the details of their life, and bring them before the Father, and how important that is. Um, he does that. Sometimes he's, you'll see him walking around, look like he's talking to himself. He's praying for, uh, for each and every one of us individually. Um, I do that sometimes. I'll come up here where it's quiet in the morning and pray, and I love how everybody sits in the same spot because it helps me because I can go around. I can pray for John and Sandra because I know they're sitting there. I'll kind of walk around the chairs and stuff. Um, this week was kind of interesting. I was walking back here and I was praying and uh, stopped at Phyllis's chair. And I wish she was here this morning, but uh, you all can tell her whatever. But um, God just took me into a prayer of thanksgiving for this lady. Yeah. I stopped at that chair and it was like there was a four-star general sitting there. Amen. I mean, just with back straight praying for people. The amount of people that she has affected is amazing. I think I just stood there and thanked God for her, for I don't know whatever. But um, it's amazing. And then I come over here and I was praying over here for uh, Damon. I was just praying for leaders and stuff. And 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 I hate to admit, God started making me ball. And I remind him constantly, I do not like that. <laughs> I don't. But I had to kneel because I couldn't stand because he started talking to me about stuff that he was going to be doing. And I contacted Damon and told him this stuff. And it is, don't discount contacting someone. Don't think that, well, they're too busy. I don't want to send them. I mean, you've got these, we can send these pings to people all the time. Hey, God told me you're going to have a bad day. I'm praying for you. I don't know, something like that. But he, he uh, started talking about that stuff, and I got to share that kind of stuff with Damon. And, and uh, it was like he, he made me ball for a little bit, but then it was broken and done. Whatever was going on was broken. That stuff is so important um, to continue. I, I looked up and um, King Herod, when he killed James, King Herod, he was persecuting the Christians, and he got James captured, and it says in the Bible, he killed him by sword. And then right shortly, right at the same time, he got Peter and captured him. He had four guards on him around the clock, rotating, guarding him, because he was going under the knife as soon as the Passover was over with. But there's a difference between Peter, what happened to Peter and James. Peter walked out of that jail. But the only difference I can find in Scripture is there was a church at that time, it says in uh, continuous and fervent prayer over Peter's life. Sometimes I don't know if we even know the effect that the prayer we have has on other people. It is, it is amazing. And... Um, and it, God brought me to the thing where Moses was, was, I mean, it's Old Testament, but Moses was, had his arms up while they were under battle, and his arms would fall down. And his family had to come, put him something to sit on, and hold his arms up till that battle was won. 
Aaron and a guy named Her. That'd be a tough name to live with, but they were his family and they held it up and what the results of that were immense. We need each other so much as a spiritual family to not be, not to shame one another at all, but to stand next to each other, have each other's backs, to have each other's backs in prayer, constantly in prayer. Um, that prayer creates a closer walk with us and God. We hear Him. Uh, it creates a closer walk with you and I as family members because we'll know the details of what God's doing in each other's lives not for, to be loose-lipped about things, but to be, um, as any family, as a family grows, it, it uh, goes from baby on to grown-up. And to be a part of that in every aspect of what God has for us to reveal through other people. Um, and when we pray for each other, we, we, it says in there we pray with thanksgiving. We're not praying, oh God, this is terrible. And start listing out all the things that are terrible. We pray with thanksgiving. Like God had prayed for thanksgiving. That was awesome. Um, we, the Father sees us as blessed in all we do. So we pray for each other as blessed in all we do. God sees us as healed completely. So we pray for one another as we are healed completely. Um, he sees us in victory in every part of our life. Not just one part. Every part of our life. He sees us in victory leading other people in victory along with us. So that's the way we pray, thanksgiving and joy, not in um, just reporting to God all the bad news. Um, I heard a reference about um, being a thermometer versus a thermostat. You can be a thermometer, and I've kind of witnessed this sometimes when I go get coffee in the morning, there's always a table of old guys. They can't sleep. So they come and they sit around, and they talk about their their knees, and they talk about their backs, they talk about the weather, they com sometimes it's just complaining. But they're doing it together. <laughs> but it's still, they're not changing a thing. They're just coming and reporting it like a uh, thermometer would do. It just is reporting what's going on. Thermostat, I would like that a lot better because you can control the environment around you. You can turn the heat up. You can adjust it. And being a part of a strong, healthy, spiritual family, worldwide, we can change the thermostat, we can change the temperature of what God is doing in this world. Um, and I know our spiritual family is close-knit here. Um, it's kind of growing around this area in this town, and in different churches we go to, a different quarterly stuff. Um, and it is strong around, the, it's stronger than I think it's ever been. Um, I made a phone call to someone clear on the other side of the country this week, and within just 24 hours, they made time to stop and talk to me. That's family. Yeah. And these, these, some of these guys that are running around all over the country are very, very busy people. So I guess the question I want to talk about here at the end here is, where are you in all of this? This is the self-examination part. We have every part in our family will have babies. We'll have toddlers still learning to potty train. We got teenagers, and we got young adults, and we have adults. Where are you in this family? There's nothing wrong with these different stages, by the way. That's just what, what they are. There is something a little off when you have a, you know, a teenager who's still getting potty trained. That, that's a little weird no matter what family you're in. Um, 
sometimes we see, and I see this a lot, um, is you'll have spiritual teenagers. Teenagers is kind of a, uh, there's kind of a, I guess something that goes around with teenagers of being rebellious. Teenagers that'll say, yes, dad, I'll do everything you want. And then dad turns around and goes out the door and then they do whatever they want. Um, and that's where we have to remember in Christ, these promises, all the things that come in Christ have to do with us having faithfulness to him as well as his faithfulness to us. That's where we come out of teenageness, where we start giving up the things that we think we got to have. And sometimes they're a hindrance to us. Sometimes they're small addictions. Sometimes they're big addictions. Where we can come to church on Sunday and, and be holy and pray, and then um, by Wednesday we're a mess and, uh, um, you know, having trouble with whatever we're having trouble with. Uh, as family, we can come together and help each other, but ultimately, it's going to be up to me to make that decision to um, grow up. To understand how big of a family I'm part of. Um, so where, where, and this is a question you have for yourself completely, where are you in this? Are you a toddler? Are you a 20-year teenager? Are you an adult who is ready to bring more children in because a fa healthy family makes babies. And we have a lot of room in here for babies. But they are a lot of work. And as an adult, sometimes you get to a place in adulthood where you're like, I don't want to mess with them babies. I like you know, the older ones that, that are potty trained. But sometimes we have to get them through the babies through first. Um, and that's one thing I challenge all of us to pray about in, in this house is where are the babies? Where are the ones that need to be grown up? Who can we invest in personally for what God has put in us into others? Um, in Matthew 28, um, it talks about going out and preaching the gospel. It talks about missions, going out, preaching, uh, taking the gospel to the whole world. But there's also the missions, um, the mission of come. I want to read this out of Isaiah 60. I'm going to read out of Amplified again just because it, it's very good. Let me find it quick here. We always think maybe we need to take and go out to the world. That, I mean, like I said before, you get a new Christian, they want to go out to Africa and do something. A healthy family. Let's see, number 60. There's a whole mission of come. Isaiah 60, I'm going to start at verse 1. Arise from the spiritual depression into a new life shine be radiant with glory and brilliance of the lord as your light has come that's us that's christians that's in christ that's us lost my place and the glory and brilliance of the lord has risen upon you for in fact darkness will cover the earth the deep darkness will cover the peoples, but the Lord has, will rise upon you and his glory and brilliance will be seen on you. Nations will come to your light. I'll read that one again. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. That's the family of God. That's the missions of coming. Our light will be so bright that people will come to see what's going on. Our life that we create out of here will be such that people will want to be a part of it. They'll want to see that they can be restored from whatever uh, 
issue or problem may have gone on in their life. They'll be set into a family if they had no father where they have lots of fathers or they have lots of mothers. There'll be plenty of grandmas to change diapers. <laughs> what? Grandpas, I guess so. This is us. This is the life. We are, we are that. Um, are we ready for that? And if we say that we are ready for that and our light shines, where are the folks? They're out there waiting. The harvest is, is ripe, the Lord says. Some of it is just us uh, getting going, getting moving, encouraging one another as brothers and sisters to get moving. My brother's a very good encourager to get moving. Because uh, when he comes after you, you don't want him to catch you. At least that's the way it was when I was little. <coughs> I can take him now. <laughs> <laughs> um, with those questions in mind, I mean, it's, you can examine your life as far as where you are with that stuff. Um, I think at, at this point, we want to, I want to kind of, come to a time where we pray for one another. If you guys want to put some music on, that'd be awesome. Um, I kind of want to open the front, and Glenn, you can help me with this, because uh, I think there's a time here where we need to pray for one another, for each other, for if he need healing. Maybe your body needs healing. This is the family this morning. I want to be that type of atmosphere. If you are this 20-year-long teenager, and you're ready to make a commitment and say, God, I'm ready to grow up. It's time for me to grow up and get over these silly things that hold me back. Maybe hurt your uh, ministry. Because you, can be, you could be in a church and we can know in our spiritual family that you are a Christian, you serve God, you're in Christ. But when you go out to, to your workplace or something like that, there's things in your life where people are looking at you going, is he really Christian? Because he's still doing that. And that's not what God says you can do. There's little things like that that affect your, um, your testimony to the world of what a healthy family is. They like, say so you can't, if we can get to where we are a healthy family, then people can see what that is, and then we can export that and start reproducing that in the world. And, some, and maybe that's just something that God, maybe it's time for some of us to, to ask God to help us to grow up, to get to the place where we need where, where we're depending on him to just go ahead and change us and, and we're ready to put down the stuff that is making us like a toddler or, or, or a baby. If you're newly saved, that's, you're still a baby and we want to help that grow up. But some of us here, and most of us have uh, been here for a long time, there's, there's a time where God's at putting a pull, putting a call on you that it's time to put some stuff down and, and grow up and be more of a part of the family that reveals what God is revealing to others rather than just being the family mooch. If I can say that in church. <laughs> because sometimes people can become a family mooch. And that has to be addressed. Just a couple of things I want to add to this. God, as I looked at what Caleb was going to do this week and he and I have talked about it, I... My mic is on. Um, there's just, 
I'm, I'm trying to be careful with this because I don't, I don't want to be as rough as I am sometimes. And Caleb's already accused me of the branding iron thing, and I'm guilty. <laughs> but several years ago, Dave Wilkerson made a series of prophetic uh, statements, and people looked over the next couple of years, and they started declaring him a false prophet. What they didn't know is Dave Wilkerson was looking ahead to now. And almost everything that he has spoken has come to pass. Matter of fact, I don't know of any of them that haven't, but it's 30 years later. Something he said that just has been living on me this week, he said, if we lose a generation of young people, it won't be the young people's fault, it will be the church's fault. And he said, because the church has become and is becoming the Laodicean church. Now, you can find that in Revelation, I think chapter 3, take a look at it later. But basically, the, the prophetic word there in Revelation paints a picture of a church that's pretty comfortable. Pretty much got its doctrine down, got a good solid income. They, they're just comfortable. And they don't welcome anything that makes them uncomfortable in their midst. And the word of the, of the prophetic word of Christ himself there as a revelation of Christ was, I'm just going to kind of spit that out. But then he said, but I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear me, I'll come in. He'll come right into that comfort and begin to shake us up. And I believe he's done some of that this morning. Come right into our comfortable spot and kind of shakes us up. Another thing I heard as I was sitting over there is God said, I want you to draw a line. And I, I realize it's a spiritual line. We're not just going to draw one here. But he said, instead of drawing that line in front of people and challenging them to step over, challenge the people to draw a line behind them and cut all that off. Just put it all away and to step into something that I want to do now. If that's you, and you want to respond to that kind of call, come and just begin to line up up here because we're going to take time to pray with you. If you've just got to go, please go, but go quietly. But we're going to pray for people this morning, and it's going to be very real. It's going to be something that, that, that is going to challenge you to the very depth of your spirit. Now, another thing is healing. If you've been struggling for healing, God wants to heal this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but immediately when I think of healing and, and that God's going to do something in the service, my mind goes to people that, oh man, I wish they were here. But guess what? You can be there. You can come and stand in for them and then you can go see them and say, you know, God moved on me to come see you and to lay hands on you and release the healing power of God on you. You can do that. So if, you, if you're wanting healing or you know somebody that really needs healing now and you're willing to go be that representative, come on up and just line up and we'll pray. And one other thing. This one's not going to be so easy. But Caleb done a very good job, in my opinion, of talking about that sometimes the way we live our life stops us from being the representative out there we need to be. And sometimes that I believe in your word that it can be big addictions or little addictions but when you're addicted there's usually no little one 
in your mind they're big. And I'm not, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying, yeah, to me it looks little. But in the mind of the person addicted, it brings a shame that nothing else brings because they know that something is controlling a part of their life that they just, it's just out of their control. Well, I've got good news for you. Jesus can be in control and he can set you free. One more thing, and Caleb mentioned this, and this has been just living on me, and that is if, we're, if we'll start to believe again and quit this spiritual gossiping where we stand and talk about how horrible things are for people and whether, whether this generation's got a chance or not, and on and on, stop that and realize that God is the deliverer. And if we will start exuding the presence of God, it'll draw people. It'll draw people, it'll draw people, it'll draw them out of their situation. And all of a sudden, you'll be confronted with somebody that desperately needs the touch of God. And you realize that God put you right there. And that through you, their lives can be touched. And they can be saved, delivered, healed, whatever's necessary. Because you're manifesting the presence of God. But you've got to quit looking at them and saying, they're just too much trouble. I'm a spiritual grandparent now, and I, I'm going to send them home. I'm going to send them down, and I'm going to do this. No, you got to just get in there and get engaged because this generation needs you and your representation of Christ. So if any of that stuff touches your heart, just come and begin together. And we've got people that's going to pray with you. I'm sure there's going to be some prophetic work done this morning. But we want you to be touched by the power of God. And I'm telling you, folks, I know that everybody's not in such good spiritual shape that they're just going to sit there this morning. If you need to go, go in the presence of God. But if you need to come, please come because God's going to touch you. And what you're going to find out is you're going to rise up right into his presence and the presence of God's going to be all over you.